0: Jack Daly and on this episode of Mythic Existence we are going to be discussing one of the most important gods in the Egyptian pantheon, Osiris. Before we dive into the primary myth associated with this deity, we first are going to need to establish some background information. Osiris, which is the Latinized form of the Egyptian name Usir, means powerful or mighty. This is a suitable name because Osiris was thought to be a king of Egypt whose rule brought balance to the kingdom, but as we shall see, his absence brought great difficulty to the land. Beyond being powerful by name, Osiris was mighty in birth, as he is the son of Geb, god of the earth, and Newt, the sky goddess. Oftentimes in mythology we see a marriage of a sky deity and an earth deity, which is sometimes called a hieros gamos, which is Greek for sacred marriage. In fact, Osiris' birth is told in the creation myth of Egypt, which is also known as a cosmogonic myth, or a myth that explains how the world came to be. Like other gods such as Zeus, Osiris married his sister, Isis, who is often thought of as one of the most important Egyptian goddesses, as she was associated with healing and magic, which are arts that she clearly excels at, as we shall see through Osiris' main myth. Osiris' main role is as a god of agriculture and nature, Earth's vegetation, and as the king of the underworld where he is the judge of the dead. He is often depicted with black or green skin, showing his association with fertility. This connection to fertility is tied into his association with the Nile River, which flooded every year and brought p- prosperity to the land. Because of this, Osiris was worshipped at festivals heralding the flooding of the Nile as well as its receding. He then became associated with the natural cycles of life, and was thus a god of life as well as death. The Egyptians associated Osiris with the star Sirius, whose heliacal rising marked the flooding of the Nile, which is the day that the star is visible on the horizon at sunrise. In fact, Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. is aligned to the heliacal rising of Sirius, and the Washington Monument can be read as a cryptic reference to Osiris' missing phallus. His sacred symbols are the crook and flail, the jed, the bull, and the throne. The crook symbolizes his authority, while the flail represents the fertility of Egypt. Later, Osiris became associated with the apis bull, as we will discuss more. The throne, of course, is representative of his role as a mythic king. Osiris's cult centers were located in Abydos, Bucyrus, and Heliopolis. Over time, Abydos became a sought-after location for people to be buried because they wanted to be buried next to the god and to also curry favor with the deity who would judge their souls in the afterlife. For those who could not be buried there, stelas were erected for them. Often, Osiris is depicted as a partially mummified form because of his role as the judge of the dead. Pharaohs were mummified to resemble Osiris, and as we shall see, there were elaborate rituals for the afterlife designed for pharaohs to make their passage through the difficult afterlife and into the paradisical field of reeds. Now that we have a basic understanding of this important deity, we can cover the cosmogonic myth associated with him. In the beginning, Geb, the earth god, and Newt, the sky goddess, had four children, osiris set and nephthys as the oldest osiris became king of egypt and married his sister isis they were respected all over earth as well as in the underworld but osiris's brother set was always jealous of him and so he transformed himself into a monster and killed him after his fell deed set cut osiris into pieces and spread them throughout egypt With his brother out of the way, Set became king and married Nephthys. Unaware that she was married to a murderer, Nephthys felt sorry for her mourning sister, Isis. Using her magic powers, Isis went searching for her husband so she could bring him back and have a child. Together, Isis and Nephthys collected the pieces of Osiris' body, and she breathed her magic breath into him, resurrecting him. Isis then became pregnant and gave birth to Horus, the hawk god. After this rebirth, Osiris descended to the underworld and became its lord. When Horus grew up, he argued that he, not Set, should be the king. Set said that a contest should be held and the winner would be declared the king. Being evil as he was, however, Set did not play fair. After several matches, Isis set a trap for Set and was able to snare him. Feeling pity for her brother, however, she let him go. This enraged Horus, who drew contempt from the other gods for admonishing his mother. They then decided to have a final round, with the winner being declared champion. Set chose a boat race, with boats of stone to be used. Cleverly, Horus used a boat made of wood with limestone plaster, whereas Set cut off the top of a mountain to use for his. Because of the poor design, Set's boat sank, which amused the other gods. Upset, Set transformed into a hippo and attacked Horus's boat. The hot god was able to fight him off, and the match ended in a tie. Remembering Horus' anger towards his mother while also acknowledging Set's evil, the gods asked Osiris to judge. He said that his son should be appointed king, as no one should gain the throne through murder, and Horus then became the king. Now there is another version told by Plutarch, who lived in the 1st and 2nd centuries AD. Using Greek names, Plutarch says that Rhea was the wife of Helios, and was beloved by Typhon. Helios discovered the affair and cursed his wife to not give birth to a son on any day of the year. Hermes also loved Rhea, and he played a game with Selene, which gave him 1 of every day, which added to 5 days to the year. On the first of these days, Osiris was born, who became king and taught Egypt about animal husbandry and law. Osiris set out to teach what he knew to other nations, and during his absence, Isis ruled so well that Typhon couldn't do any damage. However, Typhon plighted with 72 other comrades to slay him. He tricked Osiris to get into a chest, which he closed upon him and sent down the Nile. Once again, Isis set off to find him with Nephthys and Anubis, whom she had bred to be her guard. Eventually, she learned the chest traveled to Biblos, where it had become lodged in the trunk of a tamarisk tree. A local king had made a roof with a part of the box containing Osiris, and Isis went into the palace to retrieve it. She begged for the roof, and Osiris came out. They both traveled back to Egypt and had Horus. Now, Osiris' body was still in the chest, which Isis hid, but was found by Typhon, who spread his body around Egypt. Isis built tombs over the places where she found this body, but could not find his phallus, which is represented by the obelisk. Osiris encouraged Horus to fight Typhon when he came back from the underworld. They fought for the day, and Horus eventually became the victor. When we're trying to make sense of myths and folklore, we must take the cultural attitudes from which they arose into account. In the myth, we can see that Seth's resentment of Osiris grew from a lack of gratitude and envy for another's fortune. The story serves as a warning that even a god can fall prey to ingratitude. We also see the mythic depiction of order conquering chaos. It is also apparent that important beliefs about the afterlife are placed in the myth of Osiris, which we find in the pyramid texts inscribed in hieroglyphics on the walls of the pyramid of Saqqara and in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. The Egyptians had a doctrine of eternal life, and believed that the afterlife was a continuation of one's life. So like Osiris, even after death, another life awaited, and the myth was one way of explaining that belief. Like Osiris symbolically represented the natural cycles of life as seen through the yearly flooding of the Nile, so does death to the ancient Egyptians represent a cycle from the world of the living to the world of the dead. The ancient Egyptians were famous for mummification rites, but they had a sacred reason for doing so. They believed that the soul and the body would continue to exist in the afterlife, and without proper rites, they wouldn't exist together and could not pass the judging of Osiris. Upon death, the Egyptian would pass into the Duat, where they would face a series of tests that were there. These were meant to be aided with instructions from the Book of the Dead, as well as protective amulets and talismans. Not everyone was mummified. Primarily, it was for the pharaohs. You would hope to actually become Osiris in the afterlife. People wealthy enough to afford it would certainly deem it a necessary expense, but it was beyond the grasp of a great deal of commoners. The final judgment came before Osiris, where the deceased's heart is weighed against the feather of truth. If the scales of the goddess Mott were in balance, then the dead could enter the field of reeds, a heavenly, paradisical domain. If it was heavy with sin, however, the crocodile-headed monster Ammit would devour them, leaving the deceased to live in torment. Like many other afterlife myths, this story helped to establish a moral code on earth. In the later dynasties, Osiris eventually became linked with the divine Apis bull. The sacred animal was thought to be a creation of the god Ta, and was a sort of servant who was also divine. Unlike many deities, the Apis bull was an actual living animal that was identified by several markings. It had to be black, with a white triangular marking on its forehead, another white marking on the, its back in the shape of a hawk or vulture's wings and a white crescent on its side, a separation of the hairs and the end of its tail known as double hairs and a lump under its tongue in the shape of a scarab. When the bull died, it was buried in the necropolis of Saqqara. The dead Apis was also called Osiris Apis or Serapis. During the reign of the Ptolemaic kings, Serapis became the most important god and the Greeks identified the bull with Epiphus, son of Zeus and Io. If you're unfamiliar with that story, Zeus fell in love with a princess named Io. To keep Hera from noticing, he covered the world in clouds. Hera became suspicious, and Zeus changed Io into a cow. Serapis first appeared as a sun god in Memphis, which adds to Osiris' almost dualistic nature as he is himself a rare lunar god. Ptolemy Soter centered the worship of Serapis at Alexandria, where a temple called the Serapium was built that housed Serapis with Cerberus, guardian of the underworld. Like Osiris, Serapis became revered as a god of fertility along with a god of healing like Isis. Well everyone, that's it for this episode of Mythic Existence. Osiris was clearly one of the most important gods in the Egyptian pantheon for good reason. His stories gave Egyptians a strong moral compass to avoid being like Set in the world of the living so they could join Osiris in the world of the dead. Be sure to like and subscribe, follow Mythic Existence on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll see you next time.